November 16th, 2016. I'm your host, Kellen Conley, and this is Hyphen Nation. I want to welcome everybody back to the show. New listeners, old listeners, hate listeners. Is that such a thing? Do... Is there people out there who hate listening to podcasts? Actually, I probably am a hate listener. Let's let's just get right into it. I have several podcasts on my iPod, which I will be trimming down my podcast load. Because <laughs> I have way too many. I've mentioned this before on the show. I have podcasts that I definitely hate listening to. One in particular, I'm not going to say because that's not really fair. And I don't want to... Because obviously I'm listening to the show. I don't want to put them in a disparaging light because I'm sure that show has plenty of fans. But there's this one show, and I give about 20 minutes an episode that, I, that I'm interested in. If I don't like it, I turn it. And the, this last one that I listened to, it was about Steven Universe. Which I've never watched Steven Universe, but I was curious. So... I listened to this whole Steven Universe podcast. It was just the host and their guest babbling on and on and on about Steven Universe. And the thing is, like when you do a podcast, I feel like you need to lead into like as a host, you need to lead the subject matter. And I don't feel like there was any leading being done by the host, mostly the guest was was uh, gushing about the show over and over and over and over and all these different things. The host would be like, oh yeah, exactly. Just chiming in. Never once did anyone try to explain the whole concept of Steven Universe to me. Because <laughs> it's, like it's like the show is about different pop culture things. And it's like, okay, we're going to talk about this topic this episode cool I would appreciate it as a listener even if I've seen it that you take the time and be like okay Steven Universe is about this or The Breakfast Club is about this and so many times on the show the host is like okay here's this guest and we're going to talk about this and go ahead and tell yourself to, uh, tell a little about yourself and it doesn't make for good podcast listening. I'm on the fringe, though, because some of the guests he's had, she's had, sorry, is uh, very, very good. And the guests are completely entertaining, even though I don't agree with the whole format of the show. And if you can figure out from what I've said what show I'm talking about, then you know your podcast. If not, just let it be. So welcome, one and all. I just finished uh, kind of 
checking out the Great Gatsby, Great Gatsby movie, the Leonardo DiCaprio movie from a few years back. I caught it, came about mid-film. Uh, was kind of interested, kind of left doing, kind of read the plot on Wikipedia. <laughs> I may check out the whole thing um, later. It's a beautiful film, and I realize why it's a Baz Luhrmann film. And and before I go any further from that, the whole Baz Luhrmann thing, I need to know something about Baz Luhrmann. Because I think I may have a little mid-rant to start out the show. Ooh, Baz Luhrmann did Romeo and Juliet. That's awesome. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm trying to get over a cold while most of Morgantown is trying to get over um, they've used rankings currently, which I think are deserved. <laughs> but I was like, we only have one loss and we're like 10th. That's because we haven't beat anybody. I totally agree with what they're saying. And we all know that college sports are rigged anyway. Yes, Baz Luhrmann did Moulin Rouge. I'm going to save this topic for another episode, but let me tell you about Moulin Rouge real quick. My wife, Angel, loves love stories. Loves, 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 love stories. She loves them so much that she wants to see, whenever there's one-on-one, she wants to watch it, or she's already seen one previously, and then she wants to watch it with me, because she loves me, and she wants to us to, I don't know what you want to call it. She'll be like, like, hey, let's watch this movie and, and cuddle, yada, yada, yada. And it's totally following me. My life's great. Okay, I mean, great wife, great kid, greatest podcast in the world. What more can a man ask for? But Moulin Rouge, you know what sucks about Moulin Rouge? I'm going to tell you what sucks about Moulin Rouge. And before I do, I'm going to make a little note in my phone so that I don't forget that I talked about this. This is what sucks about Moulin Rouge for me. You open the film, spoilers, and it says that, what is her name? Tom Cruise's Nicole Kidman. Her character is dead. And of course, the guy who is like, that you mean in the beginning was her lover. You know that she dies. Here's the thing about Moulin Rouge. One, I'm a sucker for mu- musicals. Two, it's a beautiful film. Three, it's a well done film. And it sucks you in, and you get wrapped up in the love story, and the singing, and the dancing, and the art, and the and the costumes, and the whole affair. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful film. I, I I honestly would recommend Moulin Rouge, but let me tell you why I don't like Moulin Rouge. The girl dies, <laughs> and you might think that's a Stupidest thing ever, but seriously, hear me out. And I, I'm guessing the movie did its job, if it gets me this angry. But let me bring that back up real quick. You you sit here and you know that she dies. You know that he's not with her in any way, shape, or form. The Whoever the dude is who's with her, I'm not trying to really get into it too much. But I mean, let's see, I just want to see how long this movie is. This movie is 128 minutes. 
So a little over two hours. You sit there <laughs> and you live and die with these two characters. Oh, Ewan McGregor, Heather would kill me if I didn't say his name. Obi-Wan. Yeah. So what is Nicole Kidman's, her name? Her name is Great Podcast, Great Podcasting 101, Satine. And he's Christian. Yeah, whatever. Um, You spend 120, 115 some odd minutes with these two people as they fall in love over the course of this movie. And then she dies. Every single time it rips my heart out and it makes me so angry. <laughs> That's why I try to avoid Moulin Rouge at all time at all cost. Because of that. Damn you, Baz Lerman. But yeah, anyway, back to the topic. Checking out Great Gatsby. It was cool. I might actually watch the whole thing, but I know what happened in the um movie. I really need to read the book. Might have to put that on my to-do list. I wanted to read. I'm all over the place right now. I wanted to. Uh, I'm I'm on the site Goodreads, and my goal for the year was to read. I think 20 books, and I don't even think I put five all year long. I'm not. I spent most of the summer reading, uh, rereading my Kevin Smith book, My Boring Ass Life. And I read the American Gangster adaptation. And since then, it hadn't been anything. So, I mean, it's, it's whatever. <laughs> uh, episode 23. I, I'm, I'm happy to be here with y'all. Um, another episode of the greatest podcast ever. Greatest podcast. Um. Yeah, the great yeah the greatest podcast. I totally drew a blank, man. I, I I don't know why I'm so hyper, so to speak. It's really weird. I mean, especially last week. I mean, because you, if you listened to the Two Hour Monster, the greatest podcast in the world, I can remember my own tagline. If you listen to last week's episode. My two hours and two minute episode. You may have, uh, I mean, I took you on a roller coaster. It was a long one. I mean, we we started out talking about my, my trip home to see my dad. And then we I got into remembering both my moms. And then I got into Trump at the end of everything. So we had an experience last week <clears throat> but at the same time I was listening back and I feel like I'm very I'm very much in um, I'm not not like this is hyphenation and yeah Donald Trump is our president ladies and gentlemen like not like that but it felt very relaxed like muscle relaxer relaxed <laughs> and and uh, maybe I'm just conscious, consciously trying to bring the energy back up this episode so that I'm not, I don't know, maybe I bored myself a little bit. <sighs> Greatest podcast in the world. 
I just put together the show. I've had several ideas, nothing concrete, because as uh, Leonard Cohen once once wrote a great song called Hallelujah, we are recording an episode a week after the last episode. So you guys are getting episodes in back-to-back weeks, hoping to continue that trend, because this is all I got. All, all I got. I wanted to do Nano NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. Haven't touched it. Uh, have ideas trying to get my newsletter off the ground, make it more interesting than here's these links and I want you to click them. Haven't having touched that. Uh, let's see. Of course, I'm not recording anything musically right now. And, and, and this is my only outlet that I have. So it's very important that I make the time to come down here and talk to y'all. Live from Victory Jump Off Studio 7.0. Y'all have the right to hear me. Damn it. But yeah, um, I did throw, throw together episode. I debated on whether I wanted to do the second part of my Deadpool Jessica Jones tale. But I decided to wait. I want to be a little bit more prepared. At least look at my little notes that I had in my original um, 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 outline I had for that series when I came up with it almost two years ago now. And if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about, go see episode number 12 when Deadpool, when Wade met Jessica, whatever, whatever it's called. Episode number 12 is when I talk about my idea for a Deadpool Jessica Jones series. And I had said that if um, there was interest, I would follow up with their further adventures on this show. And I got some responses. Wanted to see what would happen when Jessica met Wade. Yep. And so I will be continuing that, but I didn't want to do that this week either. First topic. You may have saw last night that I tweeted out, posted on my Facebook page, The Resilient Redundancies of Kellen Conley, which if you could give that a like and let your friends know, I would greatly appreciate it. Official Facebook page of Kellen Conley and Hyphen Nation or of myself and this podcast, the greatest podcast in the world. Dolph Ziggler. Oh, Dolph Ziggler. For those not to know, Dolph Ziggler is a wrestler for the WWE. One of the best wrestlers in the WWE. He's been with them a long time. Came in and actually probably the first thing I remember him in was Spirit Squad around 2006, 2007. Eventually he got (laughs) re-gimmicked into Dolph Ziggler. He got paired with uh, Vicky Guerrero and for several years. Excuse me for a second. <clears throat> and for several years, he was with Vicky as a heel, um, mostly on SmackDown. But the the thing is with with Dolph is even back then, like when he was only getting ten minutes and losing matches and or getting the world title for a few minutes and then giving it back to Edge. Dolph loves wrestling. And despite being stuck in a no 
nowhere gimmick with Vicky and pretty much it was pretty much a rehash of what Vicky had done with Edge a few years before Vicky Guerrero done with Edge where she was his manager and then they had a romantic relationship I don't remember if Dolph and Vicky had a romantic relationship but they kind of hinted at it at times and then eventually Dolph got away from from that um I know he was teamed up with Jack Swagger a, a little bit and then I don't think they won any gold but I know they were tag team partners for a while. Eventually they split up. <clears throat> and then Dolph was just wa- working heel. Mostly on Smackdown. Now. Sometimes circa my uh, third wrestling awakening. My first being Hulk Hogan. My second being NWO. Um, which led into the Attitude Era Monday Night Wars. Third being Summer of Punk, the WWE version in 2011. Around my third awakening to pro- professional wrestling. Of course, I'm watching all the time. I'm mostly watching for Punk. And I had come back to wrestling kind of when I got kind of reinvested in the Shawn Michaels, uh, John Cena view, feud back at WrestleMania 23, ironically enough. Um when they were feuding and I kind of started picking it up and then it started becoming a thing where I would turn it on and kind of stay up on things, but it wasn't anything I was dedicated to. Um, of course, Summer of Punk really got me fully reinvested. And then meeting Thomas too. If you ever checked out Slobberknocker Chronicles, which was my short-lived podcast with um, Thomas Crawford about WWE wrestling, we did four or five episodes. You can find all those on behyphen.com. Um, it was around this time. Uh, I found out Thomas is in the wrestling. We both worked at the shoe department and then I was kind of keeping him updated. And then that eventually morphed into us watching the, um, the road to WrestleMania every year. Um, after WrestleMania 24. So we, we watched 25, um, the road to WrestleMania from 25 and 26 and 27, and then we went to 28. Um, so that's always kind of been our thing. Um, and, th- and that was kind of how I really got back, how I kind of stayed consistent with it. But then punk really got me back into it super hardcore. And I apologize if I told you all this on an earlier episode. I don't keep track of what I say. Episode sponsored by Dr. Pepper. No drinking tonight. But I saw this kid, I mean, saw, saw Dolph, and I was like, I'd known Dolph off and on. But by this time, he had gotten away from Vicky. He was still working Hill, but he just had this phenomenal ring presence. He took crazy bumps, but at the same time, he could just wrestle. He could get in there at the best of them and wrestle, wrestle his tail off. So I started taking notice, especially after Elimination Chamber in 2012. So I was constantly keeping my eye on what Dolph was doing. Of course, um, after WrestleMania 28, he ended up winning the blue Money in the Bank um, briefcase, which is SmackDowns. Um, he ended up, air quotes, dating AJ um, after her tenure as uh, the Raw... Um, yeah, the Raw general manager, and he got moved over to Raw. This is because, of course, this is 
this is when they're fading out the brand split. So they started doing the super shows and then just kind of, they just got rid of brand split completely. So he was on raw more with AJ, even though he still had a blue briefcase. Um, cause they still did have the world championship at that time. Got involved with AJ after AJ, um, tricked Cena into thinking she was into him. He had a few with Cena. Cena wanted to, um, I said the Bahamas said the box of briefcase didn't work out. And then they just did this slow burn where it was like AJ and him. And then they brought up Big E Langston, now known as Big E, better known as one third of the New Day rocks, as they say. New Day rocks. That's what she says. Um, it was him, Dolph, AJ, and Big E was all a team. And then they, he still had the briefcase. He had a couple faux cash ins that didn't work out. And they're just leading up to WrestleMania 29. He didn't cash in on ADR at WrestleMania 29. I think that might have been a play at one point. But because WrestleMania 29 was such a mess. And they had such a ridiculously overloaded main event card. With Punk Undertaker, Lesnar, Triple H, and Roxena 2. They had to cut down the World Championship match. That actually had, had featured a great feud between Alberto Del, Rio, Alberto Del Rio and Jack Swagger, who actually was working probably the best gimmick of, that he had at the time that he had ever had, which is right before the um, what was the start of the We the People, except this was when he was the, on the heel side. So, night after WrestleMania 29, Alberto Del Rio retained. At WrestleMania, Swagger got another match. The next night, Alberto barely retains, but he has a badly hurt ankle from Swagger's um, ankle lock. And he's in the ring. He has, I think at this point, he might have his boot off, trying to nurse his ankle, and then Dolph's music hits. I'm here to show the world. I'm here to show the world. Yeah, I just did the song. <laughs> Dolph's music hits. AJ and Big E and Dolph come out to cash in on a fallen Alberto Del Rio because this is when the Money in the Bank contract has mostly been used over the years. If it isn't to do a heel turn or to screw somebody last minute, it's always when um, a champion has been badly hurt in the ring. That's actually how Punk won his first major belt in the WWE in 2008 because Edge had just gotten Batista bombed and he was the world champion and this is after he had gotten traded to SmackDown and Raw didn't have a belt so he was out there running his mouth Batista came down Batista bombed him and Edge was down and then here comes Punk who had just won the Money in the Bank briefcase at WrestleMania um, earlier in 2008 here comes Punk and cashes in, and all of a sudden, CM Punk, who is barely, is kind of new to the company still. A few years in, but as far as being on the um, main card, uh, the main roster, there we go. He was fairly new. Comes in and cashes in and gets his first world championship um, title reign. So this is what Dolph is doing. Dolph comes down, and Dolph almost loses his match. 
several times, like maybe twice, but then finally he wins. The Isaiah Center in New Jersey explodes, and I'm super pumped. And it's probably one of my top, it's one of my more memorable moments that's happened in the past five, six years in the WWE. I, I actually rewatched that again with Thomas not too long ago, Thomas Crawford. And then, of course, I, I fell asleep halfway through because um, it was a little late. I may have had some adult beverages. Maybe. But then right after Dolph got the belt, he got a concussion from Swagger, of all people. So he had to, he got stripped of the belt. And then ever since then, he never got a real shot at a world champion, at the world championship belt. Because eventually they, um, I almost said reignited. They unified the WWE championship and the World Heavyweight Championship and became the WWE World Heavyweight Championship from 2013, 2014, yeah, um, 2014 until, oh no, 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 2013, because uh, Daniel won it in 2014, he retired, he can't, yeah, yeah, Daniel won it in, yeah, they, they reunified it, I'm sorry, <laughs> they unified the belts. The belt went away, and Dolph was he gets the Intercontinental Championship or something, or he I don't recall him having the United States Championship runs, but it's mostly the IC title. And they just kept doing this thing with Dolph where they wouldn't give him the ball and let him run it, even with the IC belt. It'd only be for like couple months couple weeks not even couple months like maybe two months tops couple weeks at most a few times and so Dolph went from being this guy who was on the brink of being a major superstar a la having a major a la punk having a major breakthrough in 2011 I felt like Dolph was right there too despite the concussion he had that uh and that he lost the world heavyweight championship. And let's not, it could have been, he got the concussion and it was bad timing. It was really bad. And WWE had to move on, but I don't understand why they never took the steps to give Dolph his due again. And that always drove me nuts. I wrote an article about it when I was doing my promos by hyphen column. And that was the column I shared last night. And I'll tell you why. WWE went back to the brand split. Raw has their superstars. Super, um, SmackDown has their superstars. Dolph was immediately put in a feud with Dean Ambrose for the um, WWE Championship, and now it's more like the World Heavyweight Champ, the WWE World Title now, and the Uni- WWE Universal Titles on Raw. Which I'm not getting into that. And Dolph squashed him at SummerSlam. Like, squashed him. Not Dolph. Dean squashed Dolph badly. For no reason. And I'm like, man. And friend of the show, previous guest on the show, Eric Greenlee, will agree with me. They will never give Dolph a push. And he was complaining about it at the same time. He's like, I don't understand why Dolph keeps going out here and losing these matches. Because Dolph is basically a highly is a overrated jobber at this point. He constantly loses. 
constantly. He'll win X amount of matches on TV, but when a belt's on the line, when it's a big match, Dolph will lose it. The last time I remember Dolph winning a big, big match was Survivor Series when Sting debuted, and that was in 2015 or 2014 when Sting debuted. It's the last time I remember Dolph winning a big match, and that was in the Survivor Series tag team match, you know? So, I'm a little frustrated, sure. But I'm like, oh, he's on SmackDown, like they're doing this for a reason, you're going to see, we're going to see why eventually, why they're doing this. Because now he's on, like he's on a show with his own brand. He's one of the top stars that they actually have on the show every single week. Put him in this feud with Miz. It's a phenomenal feud. Miz and Dolph are already good friends in real life because they're both from Cleveland. Uh, they have been pretty much going at each other's throats for months now. And eventually, I believe it was Dolph. I don't remember who challenged who, but there was a career-threatening match, which for you non-wrestling fans means whoever loses goes home. You're out of the WWE. Excuse No, wait, wait. No, it was career-threatening for Dolph. If Dolph lost, he had to leave. If Miz lost, he lost the... Um, Inter- Intercontinental Championship that they have been feuding over. Dolph won to retain it. To, uh, not to retain it, but to stay in the WWE, keep his job. Things are good. Now, spoilers. Sami Zayn beat Rusev for a shot at the Intercontinental Championship at Survivor Series, which is this Sunday, live on pay-per-view, or only for $9.99 on the WWE Network. Pay me. And Sami Zayn has a shot at whoever the championship, whoever is the championship holder, which should have been Dolph, but they booked Dolph and Miz to have a rematch. And I can't remember if they had a rematch since Dolph won the belt again. But they're like, oh, well, we'll just do Miz and Dolph because... They're red hot right now, and that's fine. So Dolph loses the belt on SmackDown last night. I know, right? <laughs> now, word is they want to move the Cruiserweight Championship to SmackDown, which would mean they have to move the Intercontinental Championship to Raw. I completely get it. Completely get it. And yeah, I just yawned. I'm sorry. I didn't yawn into the mic, though. It's 12, 11 at night. Excuse me. So, Dolph lost again. And Sami Zayn has a shot at Miz this Sunday at Survivor Series. And apparently the Cruiserweight division is going to be moving to SmackDown. So Sami's probably going to win this IC title on Sunday. But where does that leave Dolph? Nowhere. That's where. I, after that long diatribe to get to this point, I am so over with treatment of his character and what he continues to take from WWE brass. I'm not saying that he needs to walk out like punk, but 
it just makes me sad that one of my favorite wrestlers just isn't getting his just due. So it's whatever, whatever when it comes to Dolph Ziggler anymore. Until I turn on my WWE 2K13 game and guess who I've been playing as in my universe? Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> I can't win. Cannot win. Next topic. Now this is kind of a piece of mail. Because this came from Matthew. And Matt is my best friend since fourth grade. Seventh grade. And we used to do a podcast together called Hip Hop Manifesto. You can also find that on beehyphen.com. And this is in regarding Phil Jackson's comments about calling uh, LeBron's friends and business partners a posse. I saw this. I didn't think too much of it. LeBron has lost our respect for Phil Jackson, yada, yada, yada. I just yawned again. I'm sorry. As was said before on my last episode, you can miss me with all that because I don't care. I feel like he was asked a question. LeBron felt a certain kind of way about what was said. I feel like it's being blown out of proportion. But this is what Matt said. I'm legit trying to understand the outrage over Phil Jackson saying posse. LeBron said if you look up the word, that's not what it stands for. So I looked it up at a bunch of places, and that didn't answer the question for me. Then I read an article about Carmelo's response to it, and I thought maybe I was getting closer. So Phil Jackson referred to a group of business associates of LeBron's as his friends. Is there a racial connotation here that I'm not picking up? I'm assuming that his friends are black, and that that the thinking is that Jackson wouldn't have used that word if they weren't black? I don't understand, and the more I try to more I try to, the more confused I get. I've always known posse to mean a group of people, but I never really thought it necessarily meant a gang. Maybe others do. But then again, maybe I've listened to too much hip-hop and it's warped my idea of the word posse. It also made me rethink the word business associates because that can be very loosely used too. So, here's what LeBron's mad about. It's not so much that he used the word posse. It's definitely the racial connotation there. Because posse is not that kind of word. Well, I think posse, like the actual first, like my first knowings of the word posse. I'm thinking of cowboys and his posse, his posse of whatever you want to call them, like, let's say Black Barton, all his uh, robber friends going to go rob a train. That's Black Barton, his, his uh, infamous posse, you know? Let, let's get even deeper on, on you here. Let's go to the Googler. Oh, Googler. Posse, a body of men typically armed, summoned by a sheriff to enforce the law. Or it could mean the good guys. The body of men in a country whom the sheriff could summon to enforce the law. A group of people who have a common characteristic, occupation, or purpose. Therefore, last one, clearly, because we know that <laughs> I don't think LeBron's uh, posse is going to uh, be enforcing any laws. Phil 
Old Zen Master Phil said, LeBron and his people, his friends, can't be telling, can't be doing whatever you're wanting to do during the NBA season. I don't remember exactly what it was wanted to do. I can't remember if LeBron wanted to stop at Cleveland when he was in Miami his last year and then and leave the rest of the team and let them go back to Miami on a road trip or something like that. He wanted special treatment and he didn't get it from Pat Riley. Yada yada yada. It's definitely the racial connotation of it. Because and it's all the way it's it's about how he perceived it too. Because it was about him. And I'm sorry I'm Googling so much, but I want to I say the actual quote that Phil used. Hopefully ESPN doesn't start paying, playing here. Great podcast on 101 right here. It had to hurt when they lost LeBron, Jackson said. That was definitely a slap in the face. But there were a lot of little things that came out of that. LeBron was playing with the Heat. They went to Cleveland, and he wanted to spend the night. They don't do overnights. Teams just don't. What he means by that, when a team goes to a different city to play a game, most of the time, they don't play a game and then stay. They get on a flight and go wherever they got to go, whether that's the next stop on the road trip or whether they're going home. So now, Coach Eric Spolstra has to text Riley and say, what do I do in this situation? Because Pat was in Miami. And Pat, who has Iron Fist rules, answered, you are on the plane. You are with this team. You can't hold up the whole team because you and your mom and your posse want to spend an extra night in Cleveland. I always thought Pat had a really nice vibe with his guys, but something happened there where it broke down. I do know LeBron likes special treatment. He needs things his way. True. Mind you, this is the same LeBron who, I don't think it was last season, but the season before, when they lost in the finals, same LeBron who took off several games leading up to his birthday and went to Miami and then came back and kind of got Cleveland in order after they were struggling um, in their first year with their with their big three of Kyrie, LeBron, and Kevin Love. So yes, this is completely true. So it's all about how he said it. He wanted to stay overnight in Cleveland. And Pat was like, no, we're not doing that. You can't keep the whole team in Cleveland. This is a business. This is your job. Now, where Phil messed up was this whole last sentence where he's like, you can't hold up the whole team because your mom and your posse want to spend an extra night in Cleveland. If he had said because your mom and your friends want to spend an extra night in Cleveland, no problem. Just the way he said posse, I don't know if this is a live interview or not. Um, It was an interview with Jackie McMullen, so it was just a normal interview. It was just the way LeBron read it because it was about him. If he had said friends, no big deal, no sweat off LeBron's back, I bet she doesn't even comment on it. But because it was posse, LeBron took, felt some kind of way about it, and so LeBron decided to say something about it. So really, Matt, and I will respond to your email because I don't think you'll listen to this episode. It's more about LeBron feeling dissed and called out by someone like Phil Jackson versus 
what it really means. Now, the whole thing where LeBron was like, well, I don't know if he wants to see he's talking that way because, and LeBron was baited into this, I don't know if he's talking like that because uh, Trump got elected, but it could have something to do with it. I'm not too sure, though. That's just stupid. He got baited into it. He took the bait. But end of the day, it's only because it was about him. And Phil said posse. Phil, instead of going for the normal word, went for the Phil word, which is posse. As a Bulls fan and someone who has read the Jordan Rules, that book by Sam Smith that came out in 1992 after the Bulls won their first championship, I kind of have a little feel for these things when it comes to Phil. Next topic. In defense of Spider-Man. Now, this is a column idea that I've wanted to write for some time. And I figured with me not having any topics to talk about, and now I look at my phone and I now have one, two, three, four, five, six. I now have six topics. It kind of feels silly to think I had no topics. But I say in defense of Spider-Man, because a few months ago, maybe even a year or so back, because I hold on to ideas forever, I was running into a bit of a backlash against Spider-Man. Not necessarily like the Andrew Garfield movies or his current um, adventures in the comics now, which I don't read currently. But you tell, I would tell somebody, like, oh, who's your favorite superhero? And I'll be like, oh, Spider-Man. I don't like Spider-Man. And I think esteemed friend of the show, Eric Greenlee, also made that comment. If he didn't say it during our wrestling episode, he definitely said it during our Civil War review episode about not liking Spider-Man like that. And a lot of people say, why do you like Spider-Man? Like, there's nothing special about him. Like, why don't you like someone like, uh, I don't know, Green Lantern or something? Yeah, I yawned again. <laughs> why don't you do that? Like, Green Lantern or Batman or... I get a lot of Batman. I love Batman. But Batman's popularity makes me hate him just a little bit, just slightly. Don't tell him I said that. They're like, really like Spider-Man. I can crawl on walls and stuff. And let me break it down for you. When it comes to comic books, Spider-Man is the first character I came to love. He's the first one I really now remember because obviously there was the Batman, uh, Batman and Superman trumped them because in the '80s when I was growing up. I don't think the CBS show was still on. If it was, I didn't know it existed yet, the Spider-Man show. Batman, I used to watch the old... Um, Adam West, Adam West, and Burt Ward, Batman. I used to watch reruns of that. The Superman movies was out. My dad took me to go see Quest for Peace, Superman 4, in our cheap little theater that may still be operational in Winchester. And I've never watched it since. And I just remember the movie being really weird. But it was Superman, so I was super pumped to see that movie. <laughs> I've never watched Quest for Peace ever again. Like, maybe parts. I've never watched it in whole since that time Dad took me to go see it. So, 
With that said, Spider-Man was the first guy that I remember. And what was always cool for me is I've always been in love with the costume. Thought the design was top-notch. Loved it. Loved every ounce of it. I love the powers. Because not only... I mean, he couldn't fly. He didn't have a cool car to drive in or anything like that. But he created a fluid that he can swing from building to building with that is similar to that of a spider's to match his powers that he gained when he got bitten by that irradiated spider, which is awesome. And yes, I will admit, but way, way, way back in 2001, um, before the Spider-Man movie 2000, when they announced, oh, he's going to have organic web shooters, I was totally against it. I was like, I hate organic web shooters. Those things are stupid. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. He needs web shooters. That's how Spider-Man's supposed to operate. I was against it. I kind of grew to like it, and then I was sad when they took it away in the comics. Um, But he was able to get around town with the webs, and then he could also use the webs to fight. He had the adhesive power, of course, to stick to anything. Always dug that. The spider sense. He, had, he could sense when danger was coming, so that gave him one up on almost every hero out there. No other hero that I can think of off the top of my head knows when they're about to get smacked in the face. Now, plenty of writers over the years have been like, oh, Spidey conveniently ignores his spider sense so he can take this pumpkin bomb to the chest. No. (laughs) But still, it's a cool thing to have. And then he has the superpowers as far as the super strength. Like, he's no slouch, man. Like, you look it up. I'm not going to look up the stats. I've already been on this computer enough Googling Googling on the Googler for you. Pewter's Putin. So that you would know different things. But Spider-Man is super strong. He can go with anybody. He's like Hulk, Hulk um, thing strong. Of course, once Hulk gets madder and madder, the, ang- the stronger he gets, and then he outclasses Spider-Man. But he's a heavy hitter, and a lot of people forget that. When he's taking down normal crooks like your purse snatchers and the, the crime on the street stuff that he's infamous for, he has to consciously remember to take it easy on dudes, or he would seriously rearrange their face or their vital organs. I've always loved the backstory. Great power comes great responsibility. With, with great power must also come great responsibility. No other hero really has that kind of mantra. I mean, Batman's like, oh, or, um, what's, it, what's he say? Um, criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot. And pretty much his motivation is his parents got killed right in front of him. And he's always wanted to, he's trying to f- fill this hole in his heart that he'll never be able to fix through crime fighting. Superman was sent to this planet and raised by the right people and decided to go out and do the right thing. Green Lantern was found by a dying alien and given a ring. Uh, So on and so forth. I mean, Captain America was a 
a early test subject of Weapon X, essentially, and ended up getting superpowers, so to speak, more like enhanced powers because he's not super. Iron Man built a suit of iron so that he could stay alive. Uh, Bruce Banner was trying to save Rick Jones from a gamma ray test and then got bathed in gamma rays. But Peter's thing was Peter got bit, found out he had powers, was like, oh shit, son, I'm about to go get paid. Started getting paid. And then after one of his gigs, somebody's like, hey, stop that guy. He just stole so-and-so. And Peter was feeling himself. He's like, nah, not, not worth my time. I'm Spider-Man, man. I got, I got bigger fish to fry. All he had to do was stick a foot out, stick an arm out, give him a little shoulder block. I mean, he had just demonstrated his powers um, probably in, a, in the ring, like against the likes of Crusher Hogan. Well, I'll show you my spider nerd. Uh, after he beat Crusher Hogan, Crusher Hogan ended up going on a downward spiral and ended up as a janitor somewhere. And then Spider-Man let, met him later and helped him kind of redeem himself again after their first encounter where he outright embarrassed him. I mean, he picked up this 400-pound dude and he just had on a... Uh, I think he webbed his mask, had on a white t-shirt and blue jeans. So I could see where Crusher, Crusher Hogan was a little upset. Shout out to Bonesaw McGraw, R.I.P. Randy Savage. 49 minutes already? Damn. Time flies when you're rambling. All you had to do was stop him. And he didn't. He went by his way, yada, 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 yada. And then later that same night, Uncle Ben just happened to be out. I'm trying to remember the original. I can't remember if the burglar went. Okay, in the original story, the burglar actually went to his house. He was trying to break in to Aunt May and Uncle Ben's house. And Uncle Ben surprised him, shot him in the chest. The same guy who Peter could have just poked him with a finger, would have knocked him off his feet, game over, would have helped, killed his uncle. And so that establishes the grief and the guilt that Peter lives with every single day. This is the reason that no matter how bad Jay Jonas slanders him, no matter how bad New York hates him, no matter how he feels, no matter how Mary Jane feels, no matter how, even though I know they're not married anymore, no matter what's going on, with great power must also come great responsibility. So Peter Parker pulls on his webs, goes to work, wins the day somehow, then comes back and goes back to his normal life, which isn't that great. In the current books it is, which I don't read. I know he's some rich guy now, thanks to Dr. Octopus taking over his body during uh, Superior Spider-Man. But at its basis... And I kind of sound like one of those guys that's like, I want to take Peter Parker back to basics. I want to make him broke again. No, 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 I don't. I don't, because honestly, I don't like seeing Peter flat-ass broke after all these years. And granted, it's only been so many years in the comic books, but still, 
I don't want to crack open a Spider-Man book and be like, man, my cable got turned off. I forgot to pay it. I don't, I need to go sell some photos to Jonah. Like that, that's a whole outdated thing. Like how do you even sell photos in 2016? I mean, unless you would be a paparazzi. And I feel like I've seen that before recently where they said if Spider-Man's origin was done today, he'd have to be a paparazzi in order to make any money taking photos. Peter hates <laughs> being Spider-Man. Let's say about half the time, 35% of the time. There's been plenty of times where he wanted to hang it up. I'm done with this. I don't want to do it. This is stupid. Nobody likes me. I'm not getting anywhere. No one respects me. But he still does it. And then on top of that, he sits there and he's a wise ass the whole time to these guys. He drives the villains or your street level people. He drives them crazy because he won't shut up. And you've seen in recent movies, such as The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 and in Civil War, where he would not shut up. He's just constantly, constantly talking, 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 talking. That's one of the things that makes... Andrew Garfield, the better actual Spider-Man because he was annoying as hell. And he was a great Spider-Man. Not so much Peter Parker, in my opinion. I thought he was a little too cool. I thought Toby did it a little better, even though Toby was clearly way too old by even the time the second movie went. The first movie, he still could kind of pull off that he was young. The second and third, he definitely looked like he was too old to be playing it. But I love those Raimi movies to death. Um, even the third one. So that's why I like Spider-Man, man. He he just has a sense of obligation to do what's right. And most heroes do have that. But he has a little bit extra motivation. Because you know what? The one time he didn't help out, he lost his uncle. And sure, it'd be easier to keep on eating his hot dog, reading the book walking down the street and not stop to help that person. But the fact that he does is why I love Spider-Man. And in today's crazy time, especially after last week, the thought that that, that that's the kind of thinking I feel like we need more is to stop what we're doing and pay more attention to what's happening around us and help out more. I feel like if we do that, I think we might be able to fight back in a way that doesn't necessarily have to be so blatant. I saw a girl tattooed, Trump is not my fucking president on her ribs. I mean... It's four years, it could be eight years tops, and then you're going to be 78, and like, I sure wish I never got this Trump isn't my fucking president tattoo. Now all I can see is the part where it says Trump, because I'm all saggy. Like, seriously? Seriously, bruh? People. Speaking of the election, has anyone else noticed how, uh, not silent. I I understand that there's appointments going on and things being made. Um, not things being made, but things being said about this appointment, that appointment, 
uh, who said this, what Trump's going to do here, what Trump's not already backing out of on his promises. I feel like I know that he, I know he doesn't take office in like two months, but there's this deafening silence that has happened since I'd say since about about the weekend where everybody just kind of like alright well I've complained oh, I complain I, I can complain or I have uh, been as happy as I can be about this or you know not not to say that some of the day one of Trump stuff that I saw on Twitter and social media wasn't completely retarded and stupid and spurred by his uh, bigoted campaign promises. I can't say that. But I feel like people... No, it's not even people. It's not that the people have shut up. It's more like it's just quiet as far as everything going on with him. You know, I, I I don't know. The Trump that we're all afraid of, I feel like he's he wants to go on TV every single day with a countdown about when he's going to take over and when he's going to push out Obama. But has Trump even since the White House visit, like, has he even done anything really? I mean, like I said, I know that he's working on his cabinet and this and that. But I mean, it's just kind of like, all right, I won, guys. I'm going to go take a nap. I mean, the man is 70-something, if not 70 on a diet. I, for one, am am enjoying it. And I want to send a big shout-out to another recommendation that I just thought of, Joe Biden memes. I don't remember where I saw the first one, but I have to say that these memes, or as a, what did a, Nori called on drink taps. Memes. He didn't call it memes. Memes. It was hilarious. Memes. They called it memes. That these memes are giving me life. Like literally, I, I'm not a big fan of that phrase, but every time I see one of these and I haven't seen it before, it warms my heart inside to see these Joe Biden memes. Leave it to Joe Biden to heal our country. Through laughter. I mean, if if somehow you've lived under a rock, or you're somebody who doesn't use, who's not up on your meme game, just go to the Googler, type in Joe Biden memes, and just enjoy what you find. There's some quality material there. I still love the one where where it's like Joe and Brock and Joe and Brock's waving and. Joe's pointing in the caption says, says, um, Barack, um, wave at the people, Joe. And then, uh, Joe says, I'm a point at him. And Joe's and then Barack's like, Joe, just wave. And then you look at the picture and then Biden's doing that point. It's, it's hilarious. And then the one I found that I posted on my social media, uh, yesterday, it said, um, Brock's like, we need to look to the future. And then Joe's like, I'm going to look for the future now. Where is it? And uh, Brock's like, it's a figure of, and then it shows a picture of Biden with his hand, like over his eyes, looking toward, looking for the future. (laughs) 
God bless you, Joe Biden. It's a shame you didn't want to run for president. You could have beat Trump, too. You could have beaten Trump, too. Oh, I got a comment. I got a comment. Oh, it's from Mike. He said, I couldn't listen straight through to episode 22. I needed breaks in this one. Can we stick to other emotions for a few podcasts? <laughs> see, see, because I had tweeted out earlier that I was recording 23 tonight. I said, until you hear it, here's last week's two hours of fire with tears. It was a roller coaster, man. I'm going to, I'm going to reply back to him right now. This episode is much lighter. Recording now. <laughs> You'll hear this in the show. You'll hear this tweet in the show. <laughs> Sincerely, HY. No, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> At Uncensored Mike, this episode is much lighter. Recording now. you hear this tweet in the show. Reply. Dope. See, you too can get a reply if you just tweet at a brother. Because I really would like to do a, li- a listener mail show or a mailbag show. I just haven't told y'all anything, so I'm going to go ahead and say this again. Send questions, comments to be hyphen at gmail.com. B-H-Y-P-H-E-N dot com. Dot com. B-H-Y-P-H-E-N at gmail.com. If you do that and I get a decent amount of uh, responses, then I will then be able to read, do a, a do a listener mailbag show, which I'm super excited to do if I ever get enough. Because like I said last episode, I did that once for a promos column and I got an email from, uh, from Eric and I think from my other buddy Eric and then I made up the rest. <laughs> that was a little embarrassing. <laughs> did anybody see Doctor Strange because I know I didn't see Doctor Strange reason being I went home to my dad's but this is the first time a Marvel movie had come out since Thor The Dark World that I just I, I the trailers were cool I was excited by the trailers I was like man that's super cool oh he just got me back Mike just said, Lisa's not taking two months off. Eh, I'm going to like it anyway, Mike. I got to have you on the show. I'd like to argue with you on here. <laughs> or it might just be like when me and Eric are on here, we're just like, yeah, I totally agree with that. Who knows? What was I saying? Oh, Doctor Strange. The trailers were cool. and I, I mean, they kind of got me pumped. But... I also kind of did this thing where I, I went to a lot of movies at the beginning of the year. I mean, there was Deadpool, and then there was Civil War, and Batman Superman, and I think I saw a couple other ones. I saw Creed in, like, December, so that kind of blended in. I saw um, Force Awakens in December, and granted, I get paid every two weeks, which is fun. My wife gets paid every um two weeks. But at the same time, I'm going to movies by myself because she stopped going to superhero movies with me a long time ago because I I burned her out, especially after Watchmen. (laughs) 
Um, but I, I just feel like there's a lot of movies that I was seeing in a row. Um, like every month I was going to see a movie, going to see a movie. And so after I saw Civil War, maybe, I made a conscious decision that I was going to back off of seeing as much um, stuff. So there was some some things I left on the table that I was interested to see. I didn't see Suicide Squad. And I said, if I go see it, the only other thing I'm going to go see this year is probably going to be Rogue One in December. Um, instead of it being... Um, and normally Doctor Strange would have been on that list. And it just wasn't. And normally when a Marvel movie comes out, everybody's like, oh, really, Marvel movie. Yeah, this happened, this happened. And da 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 Like, even when the show comes out, like Luke Cage, which just came out a month ago, everybody's like, oh, Luke Cage, that's super dope. Uh, let's let's talk about Luke Cage and do 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 Let's do these spoiler threads on Reddit and stuff. And I'm going to actually check out my Marvel Reddit right now, subreddit. Marvel Studios subreddit. And okay, there's a Doctor Strange nitpicks and criticism mega thread on here. And one of the first comments is, I wish there had been more plot to it. I don't necessarily think that Wong's role was beefed up as much as it could have been. Giving him that fight scene would have helped. I feel like it wasn't. I don't feel like it's a movie where everybody was like. Uh, oh, this is the first Marvel movie that didn't work. I just feel like people were just kind of like, okay, it's it's just there, you know? What's the big deal? I'm eventually going to see it, but I, ha- I have no pressing concerns to see it. I think the thing that hurt it is, one, the late year release. It's not a summer movie. And it's following Civil War, which is probably a top five Marvel movie. If top ten at best. So it's difficult for people to get excited for multiple Marvel movies like that, especially when it's uh, introducing a new character. I feel like that is the major problem with it. So I can't really say if it's good or bad or not. I'd like to hear from you. If you want me to talk about your comment on Dr. Strange, email me at behyphen at gmail.com for the um, listener, mu- listener, mubo, listener <laughs> mailbag episode. Plug, plug, plug. I'm just saying, I, just don't, I don't think anybody's making a big deal about it. No whoop-de-whoop for, for the good doctor. But I've heard the Cumberbatch was excellent. One of the things I left out from my episode last week about my dad, my trip home with my dad's, we were driving down the road um, at some point. We are driving up the road, somewhere in between our stops. And I was just watching him drive. I mean, you do weird things when, when you're at the stage in life. I mean, I'm 33. My dad just turned uh, 67. Sorry, 66, dad. Don't get mad. <laughs> <laughs> and you you just watch different things that you didn't watch when you were a kid so much. And I was just watching him drive and I was like, 
you really like driving, don't you? He's like, well, you know, it gets me place to place. I'm like, no, 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 no. Not your basic, it gets me around kind of deal. I'm like, I'm literally watching you drive. And I can tell you enjoy the act of driving. And there's certain people I know that enjoy driving. And they're like, I love to drive. But you don't see that being conveyed from their driving. My father has driving gloves. He drives, like I told y'all, a 2015 Buick Encore now. He wanted, he might switch it out for something else because he's not in love with the lack of uh, space behind him because the Encore is a huge downgrade from the Enclave that he gave me. He has driving gloves. I mean, he, he has a steering wheel cover on. He he has his music. Um, he has his jazz music that he likes to listen to. He he normally doesn't smoke while he drives. Sometimes he does. But you watch some people and they're a complete mess while they drive. They got they're doing everything but it seems to be paying attention to road. My dad is in tune with the road. He's one with the road. <laughs> I just thought it was really cool to just watch him drive down the road. I was like, Man, you really like the act of driving. Cause while I'm driving, I'm like, oh my knee hurts. Legs in the wrong place. Oh, I got this itch. Nose itches. Music, singing, whatever. Da 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 da. Like, um, making sure my Bluetooth on because I don't want to look at my phone while I'm driving. If Leah's in the back, I'm talking to Leah or whoever's in the car with me. You know. Um. Trying to trying not to drive like a maniac. Trying to make sure I'm being safe. Because when you had, like, I told y'all about the accident, and everything. You know, I, I still have a little bit of anxiety, so I want to make. I'll be going a little. I'll be going my merry way. I'm like, you need to slow it down, Junior. You smacked into a car three months ago. <laughs> today, ironically enough, um, well, not today. The fifteenth was the three month anniversary of my wreck. I didn't commemorate it or nothing with a drink, and that's a shame. That was my last topic. I just thought I'd touch on that, that my dad really loves the act of driving. Um, I'm working on my driving. I want, I want to get to that level too. Like, like seriously, like he's, he's honed in, like he's a race car driver. I mean, I mean, he's totally, he can talk to you. I mean, do whatever. He, he just has a rhythm. There's a rhythm to his driving, you know, it's a rare thing. You guys. I'm out of topics. Recommendations. Friend of the show, Marcus Robinson, who I shouted out last week and his blog, the Mark That's T H E M A R C R O B dot wordpress.com. He did a post on there about magic, mad Majid Jordan's, um, recent projects. If that name sounds familiar to you, they're the ones who wrote Hold On, We're Going Home with Drake or wrote it themselves and then Drake got on it. Um, he was talking about two projects they've done. He has, they have an EP that they put out in 2013, 2014 and a self-titled album that they just put out this year. I gave both of those a list in the past two days and I was very impressed. Now, the sounds is very similar to Hold On, We're Going Home. 
you have your danceable tracks, but at the same time, it, it has that whole vibe of, I, I don't even know, let's call it the T-dot swing, the, the six swing. That sounds like sex swing. Uh, whatever you want to call it. It has that whole OVO sound. But it's good. If, you, if you're looking for some pop R&B, something with a Drake vibe that's not Drake, but something that's chill, but that you can still kind of um, throw one and whatever, just looking for something different, check out the Majid Jordan EP. And I can't remember what that was called and their self-titled album that they just put out this year. Both good stuff. Speaking of Marvel movies, another recommendation, Guardians of the Galaxy. This is my favorite Marvel movie. It was on tonight on FX, maybe? Possibly? Yeah. Because uh, American Horror Story finale was right after that. And it was like the literally the last 20, last half an hour where they're having the air battles and then the final showdown where Chris Pat, where Star-Lord does the dance in and they all come together, no spoilers. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. You should too. It is the best Marvel Studios movie, hands down. If for some reason you live in Iraq and you're, you're like, I've never seen Guardians of the Galaxy, go watch it now. This can wait. Obviously, you're at the end of the show anyway. If you didn't like Guardians of the Galaxy, and you're like, I don't like that movie, go watch it again. Change your mind. Or if you just haven't watched it in a while, watch it again. Another oldie but goodie. Me and Thomas broke out the old Wii, and I was playing some new Super Mario Brothers Wii this weekend. Had a little bit of a, took a little bit of time to get readjusted. <laughs> we uh, blew through plenty of our lives that we had saved in one of our save files. But uh, Thomas and I actually went through when I first got this game years ago. We have a whole save file on my Wii that's completely done. We got all the stars, beaten all the worlds, done all the things. And it's just sitting there and we're just super proud of it. So just like with Guardians, if you thought you hate New Super Mario Brothers Wii, Play it again. If you played it before, play it again. If you've never played it, play it now. Another classic. Another reason to keep your Wii around, other than streaming Netflix, which is mostly what mine is used in my bedroom. And another recommendation is Joe Biden memes, which I've already talked about. Shout outs. Already shouted out the homie Matthew Spencer. Um, thank you for your email, and I should actually respond to you so that you know what my conclusion was or I should just shoot you a link to the show and be like here's your part in fact that's what I'll probably do through YouTube thank you technology and that's our show the world's greatest podcast hyphenation 23 is in the books let's do the all the end stuff you can find hyphenation on b-hyphen.com b-h-y-p-h-e-n dot com if you want to get in contact with the show, or if you want to send in questions, comments for a future listener mailbag episode, B-H-Y-P-H-E-N, B-hyphen at gmail.com. You can find Hyphenation on the iTunes. Please rate and review and subscribe and tell your friends. 
because the more you do that, the more exposure the show gets, and then I don't, and then I feel like I'm not talking to myself in a lonely basement at 12.56 at night in November, which I just did. Then I feel like I'm talking to an audience the next day when the show actually goes up. I'm getting sleepy. <laughs> um, you can also find the show on YouTube youtube.com slash be hyphen or just search hyphenation podcast and you will find it that way as well we're on all the things and yes i just said all the things and i'll actually tell you exactly what all the things is if my mouse will act right i got my eye on you everything i see i want your high love and emotion endlessly i can't get over you Look further to me, I want you. I love and emotion endlessly. You're a good girl, you know it. Do, do, do. You act so different. Okay, hyphenation. Um, if you go to behyphen.com, scroll to the bottom under Podcast Central, you'll find my RSSS feed. RSS feed under Feed Burner. You put that into your favorite podcast listening device. I haven't said that in a few episodes. Also, find hyphenation on Stitcher. You can either go on Stitcher on your computer or on your phone. Type in hyphenation. There we are. Google Play Podcast as well. Type in hyphenation. There you are. If you use the TuneIn app for your radio needs, you can also use it for hyphenation, which is super awesome. And then we're also on Overcast and Pocketcast. And just one quick search on the Googler here because I love my podcast. We're going to search Hyphenation Podcast and there's Stitcher. Uh, we're on Player FM. There's TuneIn. There's iTunes. There's the Hyphen Podcast Network.blogspot.com, which is my the way that I get my episodes into um, FeedBurner so they will go to iTunes. Behyphen.com slash podcast. Um, and then hyphenation shows under Mixcloud, which I no longer post to, but you can find earlier episodes on there. A couple Google Plus links. And yeah, so we are out cheer. Word up. Seriously. Phil Jackson says he hadn't voted for a president since 1980. I'm not going to like this article. <laughs> Is there anything else? I don't think so, guys. Happier episode. That, this one's for you, Mike. Shout out to you too, brother. All right. I'm going to bed. You keep on doing whatever you're doing, whether that being working, whether that be lounging, whether that be dancing to my singing a little bit ago and my rendition of Hold On, We're Going Home. Be good to yourself and each other. Shout out Jerry Springer. But seriously, guys. Look out for one another. Crazy times. Life's not over. We just got to find a way to make it better. And that's it. So until next time. Thanks, y'all. <laughs>